Ed, how are you doing? I'm feeling plucky. Plucky and brave and uh, battling against giants, David and Goliath. Those are all the words I like to use about Manchester United. Those are ingrained into our great history, you know, fighting against all the odds of those nasty big clubs around us. Yeah, absolutely. Anyone that follows you on Twitter will know already roughly where you stand on the matter of the Bayern Munich game, but we shall go into more detail about that in a bit. But before all that, it backfired our our little plan to put a banner behind a plane, didn't it? <laughs> well, you know, you, you did chip in the 800 quid, didn't you? You know, What, what were your celebrity star turns on uh, full-time devils uh, these days? You know, and yeah, you're a TV star, Paul. TV? TV, if you include YouTube in, in that. I just want to make it extremely clear, since Red Issue are after the people that did it, it was not us, right? Just, we had nothing to do with that, nor would we have anything to do with such a thing. Since we're on that, I mean, uh, Twitter is necessarily reductive, so it's hard to get your point across most of the time, uh, at least in any kind of coherent manner. But I have to say, I thought that was utterly stupid and childish, and uh, I rather thought more of it was made than was necessary. Uh, of course, it's a, a story, uh, I suppose, but uh, as far as I can tell, this was a few fans who tried to do that. Whether you believe the sentiment or not, that he was the wrong man and Moy should go, uh, I think uh, towing banners behind planes is just a little bit small time, isn't it? Isn't it rather scouse or city to do that kind of thing? Uh, it's a shame that we've been reduced to that kind of nonsense. Yeah, I think it's uh, it's a slightly complicated issue. Not really particularly complicated, but basically that banner is only partly about Moyes and it's highly about Tufty and Stretford End flags. You know, it was a response to the fact that the chosen banner, chosen one banner, nobody would take it down. And also it was a, a frustrating response I think to the kind of media insistence that the crowd are all behind Moyes having said that I think it was very misguided not least of which because unless it was a secret inside plot to generate sympathy for Moyes it's backfired hugely because what happened was the ground was more pro Moyes than they've been for weeks the support hadn't tipped far enough for that to be the tipping point to kind of, you know, galvanise the anti-Moyes feeling around the stadium. And actually, anti-anti-towing plane banners is always going to be going to be higher up your agenda than anti-the manager, isn't it? Well, because in the end, Moyes may be a but he's our So, um, uh, sorry for the language. <laughs> I really ought to stop swearing. It's, uh, it's these, these crazy times. They've, they've had an effect on me. But the point being, whether you like Moyes or not, uh, fans are going to defend him against a, a perceived attack from the outside or the inside, uh, as it happens. Uh, one one thing about that uh, was Moyes' reaction, because he, he got a lot of, uh, I'd say, positive press uh, for that, uh, for, you know, chest barrel out, chest out, uh, storming... Uh, onto the uh, the pitch and into the dugout ahead of his team, which, you know, which is a, a fair way of interpreting it. The other thing that kind of struck me was that clearly had an effect on him, though, because he changed his pattern. I don't recall Ferguson ever uh, taking, uh, you know, that kind of action before. The fact is Moyes is insecure in his own mind to the extent that he would, rather than come out with his team, that is the norm felt like he had to go out first and show, as he said, show that he's the manager and he's there. Seemed a little bit small time 
for me. Uh, I don't think he needs to do that. I think uh, the real talking uh, is on the pitch. And you know, in fact, is United won that game against Aston Villa, which is, I suppose, a topic we ought to talk about uh, handsomely. And that's where Moyes should be getting praise when his team wins, uh, not for uh, making statements because uh, some fans are uh, against him. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. One last thing about that banner, the people that did it and then publicised it as a red issue action. That was a really silly thing to do, right? That's not does not seem smart at all to do that. Did they publicise it as a red issue action or was it it happened to be on the red issue forum and uh, and the media of, uh, you know, not looking into the nuances of this, uh, calling that red issue and, and making it look like this was a magazine-endorsed action? Right, possibly. I suspect it's the latter, actually. I don't know, given... Uh, necessities of space uh, and nuance of story i would suspect that's the case so uh, look <laughs> i'm sure i'm sure they miffed about it because they uh i'm quite sure do not want to be associated uh, with something quite so embarrassing i rather think the uh the not so subtle threats if if that's the right word of outing them uh, uh not necessarily either stand on the high horse about this one you know you made it made it clear that this is a uh, not an officially endorsed action and and uh, i think we all get that yeah absolutely so the football then for one an odd combination of a fairly accurate result because united did had a lot of cutting edge uh, late on in that game but it definitely definitely a fixture that could have gone a different way if if benteke was less wasteful of his chances when it was 2-1 well yes uh, benteke seems to score in bursts uh, normally around contract signing time uh, although to be fair he's had a a half-decent last few weeks, hasn't he? Uh, uh, if he'd taken chances, uh, that would have been uh, different. Uh, you know, in the end, I think 4-1 did flatter United. This wasn't a uh, you know, three-goal margin performance, uh, but it was good enough. It was good enough, and, uh, you know, um, I guess in the end, Aston Villa will feel a little unlucky that it looks quite so quite so wide the margin. Could have had penalty, of course, and, but there you go. It's, it's so rare these days that United get a a good performance at home and score a lot of goals at home. Remember, only 18 before the game against Villa in the league um, that you'll take it, won't you? Absolutely. Um, it all started really worryingly uh, with Villa scoring first and actually up to that point, United did look really flat. Someone that was at the game said to me that it, it looked almost like about 15 minutes into that game, United players just decided to take matters into their own hands. He stuck with the lineup pretty much from the West Ham game, a couple of tweaks to that lineup, and it was pretty effective once we did start to play, although very porous at the back, as, as we've said. But some nice interplay again from Kagawa and Mata, and I actually thought Kagawa probably the star of the show. A beautiful cross to Rooney for the first goal, and a sumptuous through ball. Uh, I don't know if... I know, well, you did watch the, the Madrid... Uh, Barcelona game the other the other week the four three when Messi played the through ball to Neymar which uh, won Barcelona the penalty it was Messi esque from Kagawa the through ball to Mata which which won United a penalty right yes or Iniesta esque if you uh, you take last night's game against uh, Atleti uh, Iniesta to Neymar uh, an equally brilliant pass look uh, Kagawa had a very good game coming in off the left uh, the most definitely didn't play as a wide man he and Mata effectively sharing the role at number 10 behind Wayne Rooney it gave United a nice flexible feel didn't it in attacking I mean if a little lopsided because Ashley Young on the other side uh, hugged the touchline but you know um, one of one of the, the good things uh, probably the only good thing about having Alexander Butner in the side is he does attack so much and he effectively 
uh, became the uh, extra winger with players dropping in to help out United defensively. At times, United switched to three at the back. I mean, it's uh, that that helps when United are flexible like that. And you know what? I don't think that's got anything to do with Moyes. I think it's the nature of the personnel. And, and the reason I don't think it's got anything to do with Moyes is because the pattern changes every week. I think it's got to the point, and I guess I make this later when we talk about the game against Bayern, that the players are taking things into their own hands into, in some respect. And I think you said earlier uh, that uh, after about 15 minutes, United players thought, hmm, hang on a minute. Uh, and I think that's right. Uh, yeah, Villa scoring early did give him a bit of a wake-up call. And after that, it was uh, a lot easier. Uh, not 4-1 easy, but uh, a lot better after that. Yeah, and then there was the period after the break when United came out, whatever the opposite of firing is. They came out watering. They were dreadful for 10 minutes. After the restart, Benteke had the chance with the header and the one where Carrick was then sort of forced to play centre-back and lost Benteke altogether. And then Benteke fortunately swung and missed the ball altogether. But then Carrick managed to get back and make the block for the second chance. But that would have been two all and I think a very different complexion on the game. The fourth goal I thought was particularly noteworthy uh, just Yanazai back in some sort of form in his cameo in that game I thought and Chicharito I mean if he doesn't leave in the summer I almost feel like it's it's more likely that Nemanja Vidic is going to revoke his new contract with Inter and stay than it is that Hernandez doesn't leave in the summer you know his complete non-celebration of the goal was really unfortunate well, yes. I mean, read into that what you will, I suppose. I, the, the thing is, you know, when it when it comes down to it, football is often in the details, and and this match was really about the details, wasn't it? And Aston Villa created more chances, and, and uh, you could argue had better chances at that. And uh, if it was it wasn't for the quality of finishing, uh, then United wouldn't have won the game. But in the end, that did make the difference, and then four one looks like a very good result because United finished some very good chances there. Talking of the quality of finishing, Juan Mata opening his account for United. I'm very excited about it. Blogged all about it on Monday. Juan Mata's blog is like uh, one of the highlights of my week nowadays. Uh, and this week it was uh, it was extra big hugs for everyone in celebration of his uh, of his goal. And he took it beautifully. I thought XOXO. Yeah, uh, look, very very uh, very nice and Mata. It's, it's great that he started scoring. Re- remember, he scored 19 times for Chelsea last season. This is a guy who gets a loss of goals from midfield and. That is, after all, one of the things that United really missing. And I think he will. If he plays more centrally, he's bound to get more goals because he's got a bit more freedom to get into the right areas. And when he plays wide, especially in some of his earlier performances from United where he really was hugging the touchline, then he, he's just not getting in the right positions. Uh, when United play in a more flexible way and he's allowed to drift inside, which has happened on occasion, especially when uh, another player of a similar ilk is on the other side, uh, then he does get into the right positions. Uh, and this time round, you know, started the game at number 10, behind United's number 10. I think he'll score a lot of goals from that position if he plays that many times in that position. Though. Still a conundrum, United haven't solved that one, really. Rooney, Van Persie, Kagawa, Mata, I would say really only two positions, uh, four players for it. Yeah, absolutely. And any discussion of this match would be remiss without mentioning the absolutely beautifully, poetically, wonderful moment that occurred shortly before half-time when after Kagawa's beautiful through ball, Juan Mata took the ball and none other than Bakuna committed a foul. 
Bakuna Amata. It's a recipe for a penalty. Bakuna Amata. It's what right thinking people have wanted to see ever since those two players were both in the same league. Right thinking people. Yeah, that's the, that's the kind of nonsense I get off uh, people on Twitter, that one. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I yank your chain, yes. Um, very nice. Anyway, look, that's that's Villa. What what else can we say about that one? Uh, Wayne Rooney scored twice. He's uh, he's back into a decent run of goal scoring. He had a good start to the season. Flat middle, I'd say, certainly in terms of performances, and uh, and maybe he's coming good now. Although it was interesting that he doesn't half look knackered when it comes to the end of games. You know, he's puffing a bit, which suggests to me that his fitness isn't all there or that he's uh, approaching the point of burnout. Of course, he, he basically never gets rested, does he? Uh, plays every single minute of every game, just about, um, aside from a few injuries. And uh, I wonder whether that will drag into the last few games of the season. Yeah, and I mean, it is also a consequence of his style, right? Because he he's incredibly hardworking all the time. Even when he's not playing well, he's working hard. I would say this is the first period of the season where Rooney's actually been playing well. I, I think he was fine in the first part of the season I don't think he was spectacular and lots of people saying he's sort of carrying us and stuff but I, I feel like this is this is the period of the season where he's actually making a really positive contribution really making a difference I did see some stats on this so, so look modern fitness coaches tend to think that it's the amount and length of the sprints that you make that, that really is a good indicator of your real fitness not how far you run so in terms of distance run he's uh, he's not top of United's distance run tables but you know he he averages about the same as the rest so this kind of narrative that says that uh, he works harder than everyone else is isn't quite right and as he's aged the number of sprints that he makes uh, and the duration of those sprints has dropped Uh, the same can be said of Robin Van Persie of course and that's really significant in Van Persie's uh, case so either that's a consequence of fitness the lack of fitness injuries uh, or the fact as we've said uh, his uh, his movements dropped somewhat and it's noticeable in in terms of uh, you know, the amount of sprints he makes so anyway point being that i think um that drop off in that kind of explosive fitness is apparent in rooney and i, I think it makes a difference in terms of how he plays now you know he's uh, he's he puts a shift in defensively he makes a few tackles and that does make a difference to how he's perceived uh, I think in an attacking sense the kind of feeling that he's going to deteriorate over the next few years is played out in some of the data you'd have thought that United would have looked at that too though so you know I wonder whether he needs a rest whether he'll get one or not is a, is another matter yeah I mean I don't think he will will he you could see there is a, a good sensible argument to rest him against Newcastle ahead of the Munich game and I, I certainly don't think he'll play 90 minutes but I don't think he's likely to get dropped too often it all depends whether he wants to be dropped doesn't it isn't that the uh, perceived wisdom about the subject mm, well quite yes yeah, so players don't know the, the the best thing here and uh, given that Wayne Rooney is player manager it's it's uh, it's hard to get the uh, the appropriate response out of him anyway look good good debate about Newcastle uh, I guess you know I, I would think that Moyes now gets to prioritize Europe and a Newcastle game can be deprioritized, especially after such an intense game against Munich. Uh, I guess we'll get onto that one in a bit, but uh, it's an interesting debate, really, with Europe out of the equation for next season, probably. Is he prepared to let the league form go? Yeah, I mean, I guess he has to, doesn't he? Because there's nothing to play for. Although, you know, we could still be overturned by Southampton for seventh place. Well, he's playing for his job. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and uh, and credibility and, uh, and uh, you know, as we said last week he's a he's a man with some fear oh yeah and and i thought that the 
all that stuff around his chest barreling i mean it is it is classic covering activity right it's classic i am trying to if you if you play poker then the most beginner poker players try and look confident when they're not confident and try and look unconfident when they are and what Moyes was doing there was very clearly trying to appear confident when he's not the the fact that he keeps using the word try in his press conferences is really significant from a neurolinguistic point of view because that is what he's doing he is really really trying to represent himself as United manager but he definitely does not believe that he's up to the job and I, I think he's hopeful that he'll grow into it and I'm sure in his kind more optimistic moments he backs himself to grow into it but his experience has been so horrific if half of the rumors about what's going on behind the scenes with the players are true you know he's not being taken seriously by them so it's very difficult for him to take himself seriously well uh, let me tell you they they don't tell he, take him seriously do they i think this is quite obvious cod psychology uh, aside um uh, the fact that, uh, that that dressing room is leaking all over the place tells you something they have very little respect for him whether that reflects uh, itself in on the pitch in the coming games we'll see it certainly has done in the in the season past but uh, moving on to Bayern Munich uh, one one of the things that was interesting is that whatever you say about the tactics and the result and the approach it was clear that the players put in more of a shift uh, they're more pride of performance than has been the, the case for quite some time and as Daniel Harris on Twitter reminded me of uh, that famous Fergie quote, uh, they were cheating the manager to have not done that beforehand. Now, well, that's a consequence of not believing in the manager, not believing in themselves or being extremely complacent or a combination of all of those. Uh, they certainly did that. So the, the you know, expression of pride and whatever that means, I know it's an awful cliche. Uh, it was, you know, it was quite evident against music and made a real difference too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a reason it's a cliche, right? It's because um, there's a profound truth in it that pride in performance leads to better performances. And and I I think the turning point of the season was the Liverpool game and the fans' response at the end of the Liverpool game, which ironically had nothing to do with the players, nothing to do with the manager, and was all about the fans' connection to the club. The club as a sort of concept, not the club, what it actually is and what it actually does. I don't mean, you know, the Glazer-owned club. I mean, the concept of it. But I think that's that's changed the dynamic and the players are taking it all a bit more seriously since that happened. Even in the City game, they were poor in the City game uh, and, and it was a bad a bad performance, but it was not a, a lacklustre performance in the same way that the Liverpool game was and many of them have been this season. And the players, they work their socks off against Munich. Now, Ed, I mentioned this earlier in, in the show, anyone that follows you on Twitter knows that it is fair to say that you have not enjoyed either the uh, the performance against Munich nor the uh, ensuing reaction of sort of, I don't know, pride and joy let's say at this particular one all draw is that fair to say well I, I don't I didn't enjoy the approach and I didn't enjoy what it said about uh, where United have got to and uh, and I guess I didn't enjoy the um, metaphorical dancing in the streets about a one all home draw uh, you know and I, I you know, I'm not I'm not stupid I, I get the context uh, people feel the need to remind me of this all the time you know it seems unnecessary uh, I'm quite smart enough to work out that in the context of not playing very well and having several injuries and playing the European champions that uh, being cautious is not always a stupid approach uh, that said uh, United basically played with nine men in the box at all times and uh, and there was very little attempt to actually impose any kind of style on the game I mean there wasn't they just gave the ball away all the time 
almost got to the point uh, where that was deliberate, humping it forward uh, just to clear their lines and, and not pushing out. So 25% possession. Possession tells only one part of the story of a game, of course, and, and United did create some good chances, not least uh, uh, the one that your man Welbs fluffed um, and uh, you know, arguably had a goal ruled out rather harshly. I think most referees would have probably given that one. So, you know... Uh, Multiple storylines here. Uh, United could have won it with the chances. That was the one that Moyes chose to tell. Uh, the other is that they effectively parked the bus. Moyes, uh, a man uh, scared of being defeated, uh, looked to set out the, the game to not lose. Uh, and that's what he got in the end. And you give him credit for that, I suppose, because got a result. Uh, not not a result that will take United through, probably, but uh, got a result. But it, it was very, very negative. Very, very small time. And, and final word on this, because I realise I've rambled a bit. I was pretty critical of Chelsea when they did this, and Inter when they did this as well. And I'm not going to be a hypocrite and say that, uh, that this is a good thing. I want to see United playing attacking, vibrant, uh, attractive football. Uh, I know we can do that. Maybe not under this manager. And when you play that kind of negative way at home, this is Manchester United we're talking about. Let's say something about the state your club's in. Yeah, I think I think it's very. I think the dancing in the streets thing, uh, as you say, you understand the context of it. This is about the fact that the last two big games at Old Trafford have been tepid three nil defeats to teams that didn't even really look like they had to try very hard. You know, so to see a kind of battling, prideful performance like that. Like I don't get to go very often and I, I got to go on Tuesday night, which is why my voice is a bit shot because the atmosphere was absolutely unbelievable. It was so loud. It, like, you know, it was painfully loud a, a couple of times. Um, just, just fantastic. And such a sort of impassioned support for the team. Interestingly enough, the, there was a, a bit of Moyes chanting, one one rendition each for uh, for the two Moyes songs, but neither of them uh, neither of them quite caught fire in the way that the uh, the pro United chants did. Understandably so. The, the game itself, I, I, you're unquestionably right. Although I don't necessarily conflate the idea that against the best team in world football at the moment, we have to park the bus to kind of match them. Necessarily equates to us then going on to sort of say, well, we're happy with fourth place or whatever. You know, it's the, the expectations have been lowered, but I, I hope that that's a kind of temporary thing and it's about setting it in the right context. And, you know, most United fans thought we'd lose that game. You know, I mean, I'm sure there are many who, who thought we'd pull it off or whatever but I think it's safe to say a majority of people thought we'd lose and we didn't and and there were some phenomenal moments in that that game Welbeck's goal cruelly and completely unfairly and impossibly ruled out no I mean I I get it Uh, and then that 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 really unfortunate miss of his but he had an excellent game and and I, I kind of said he was my man of the match and I was half joking but not really having gone back and watched the game again I, I, I think he was a perfectly good shout for man of the match um, uh, Vidic and Rio uh, defended excellently I thought and I do think that tactically on top of everything else one of the reasons we had to play such negative bus parking football really was the available personnel because if we hadn't done that, we'd have been in the Olympiakos situation where the midfield and the defence are separated by acres of space because of how deep the defence has to play. Hmm. Well, they played very deep, very, very deep last night. Uh, so so the uh, the obvious choice was to switch Kigara and Flaney and, and you'd had a better uh, link between um, defence, uh, midfield and attack uh, and, and probably lost nothing defensively because Flaney offered absolutely nothing. 
Um, anyway, look, look. Here's here's two other things to not conflate: uh, the idea that uh, not approving of a a, uh, a style where United are parking the bus in the context of playing very negative percentage football for a season uh, that uh, that you shouldn't conflate that with uh, an assumption that the only other option is to play Aussie-Ardiles style attacking football with seven players, right? It's nonsense. It's total nonsense, right? So every single one of the people who've told me on Twitter that, ah, oh, yes, but United played like this against Barca in 2008 or or what did you want us to get 5-0 hammering you know a it's that's hypothetical and b uh, it's classic rationalization right this is to uh, take a logical position which doesn't follow through to the outcome of your argument and um sorry but it doesn't matter that united played negatively against barcelona in 2008 uh, because i tell you what i can point to another dozen matches where united have played uh, in attacking fashion against some bloody good sides over the years and won too right uh, and again you may say my logic doesn't follow through to the outcome which is right yeah, it doesn't. So the point being that United had plenty of choices about how to play. Moyes had plenty of choices about how to play. The way he chose to play was in a very, very negative fashion with some pretty ugly football. He got a result out of it. If, if that's all that matters to you, then fine. Uh, if actually you want United to play some attractive football and you think two things. One, that Moyes might have found his way and this will uh, bleed through into more negative performances from United, not less, uh, and I suspect that might be the case. Uh, and two, a fear that United's expectations or the fans' expectations have been reset this season and that we effectively are happy, we as a body of fans, are happy with some mediocre performances as long as there's a uh, a good one now and again, right? And And I think... That transition is happening uh, and it also means that the Glazer family will notice this uh, and will uh, see the fact that they don't really have to go spend £200 million to transform the squad and they don't really have to go and get the best manager in the world. All they really need is good enough um, and that may be what we've become. And so I guess those are the reasons why I'm pretty disappointed with the way United played. I I get the context uh, and, uh, and I get that United got a good result uh, and I see some deeper meaning in this, uh, and it worries me. Yeah, and it's also not that good a result. No, well, uh, yeah, practically speaking, United now have to go to the Allianz and win. So there's people who are arguing with me, saying, oh, well, now now we can attack. Right, so we're going to park the bus at home uh, and uh, give away an away goal, which was, I have to say, pretty inevitable if you give Barcelona 75% possession. Uh, and then we're suddenly going to open out away from home. Right. You just called them Barcelona, which is understandable because they, they do play a lot like them. But I have to say, one of the reasons that I thought it would be a huge mistake for Moyes to set up in a bus parky way before the game was that I didn't think it would work. I thought that Bayern would find a way through. And of course they eventually did. And I, I actually think they can be a bit disappointed with their own performance that they didn't do that sooner. You know, you said about the, the Villa game, it's in the details. It was partly down to details. Phil Jones, Vidic, Ferdinand and even Alexander Butner all made crucial interventions at crucial moments to stop uh, Bayern from being able to score. De Gea made an excellent save. That's pretty standard. We kind of expect that. 
none of that was particularly out of the ordinary and actually if Bayern had been a bit more toothful uh, had a bit more cutting edge in the first half I, I think they would have done some damage and I think deploying Muller as a false nine was probably a mistake sorry I just used the word false nine unironically which I, I don't <laughs> I'm never proud when that happens but it, that's really what they were doing and actually I think if you'd had Mandzukic in there from the beginning uh, running around and causing bother it would have made a bit more of a difference I think well De Gea's dial was definitely working wasn't it you know as always but uh the, the fact is that um uh, not for wasteful finishing from uh munich we could have been smashed in that game you know despite playing in a very negative way 16 chances they created 15 from open plays and that was probably subpar for munich they they had an off night uh, i'd say and, and you could say that was partly about the way united played and you know, certainly the players afterwards uh, i and robin moaning about uh, United playing nine at the back. Uh, he said that United played like a handball side. And, you know, uh, for those who don't get the reference, I suppose it's like saying uh, United played like a basketball side, transition between attack and defence being complete, right? So entirely about the defence, um, which is, you know, which is an observation. And I think also one that's one that's true. So uh, I get that, uh, you know, in different circumstances, if Bayern had scored early and first, for example, it might have been very, very difficult for United because the pressure would have been on to open out those spaces. Now, I have to say, at half-time, I was pretty surprised that Bayern didn't um, actually work this one out. What they really needed to do was transition the ball from left to right much, much quicker. And, and although Tony Cruz was uh, brilliant, he doesn't do that. He actually slows up play sometimes. So I'd have been tempted to jiggle things around a little bit if I was Guardiola, but um, he didn't, and uh, United benefited from it. Uh, and, um, you know, in the end, so I've moaned a lot about, uh, you know, the overall approach, but I, I think some credit goes to some of the players for their performances. You know, Carrick, I thought, was excellent. He's had a pretty poor season and been very poor in recent weeks, particularly poor. Uh, Vidic and Ferdinand rolled back the years, didn't they? They can defend their own box all day long. Uh, what they can't do is uh, push up and help United attack because there's no pace on the turn. Uh, Jones put in a decent performance at right back. Butner wasn't embarrassing. I'm not sure he really deserves any praise, but he wasn't totally embarrassing. Certainly Robin didn't cause the uh, damage that we expected him to do. Uh, and Wayne Rooney worked very hard up front. And, you know, the, the one man who was trying to help with the transition from defence to attack was was Danny Welbeck and and uh, he did actually manage to stretch by on, on occasions. Uh, Fellaini, well, less said about Fellaini the better. That was utterly abysmal, you know. And I know people think I've got some kind of agenda against the guy. I haven't. I wish he was brilliant. I really wish he was brilliant. But um, I think I may have been wanting Ron, one one aspect about Fellaini where I said we'd paid double his true price. I, I think uh, actually just take the two off the front and then you might be getting closer. That's maybe 10% harsher than I feel about him. Or maybe 15% harsher. It's he he definitely improved in the second half of that game definitely in the first half he looked absolutely overawed by the occasion it was so obviously the biggest stage he'd ever played on and it really looked like it was affecting him he kept giving the ball away to the point at which there was a pretty massive pretty ironic cheer when he completed a five yard pass uh, about two-thirds of the way into the second half um 
it was very frustrating and difficult to watch but but I also did feel from a bit because because it was clearly partly the situation that got to him and he, he definitely did improve in the second half I mean he's got passionate advocates lots of people especially the people that don't like Michael Carrick generally speaking saying you know it's all very well having a pop at Fellaini but Carrick's been rubbish for years which I think is is just nonsense but Fellaini looks miles away from being top level quality every time I see him against top level opposition. And, and, and as you just said, Ed, people might mistake that for an agenda. But if I'm ever critical of a United player, if I ever am critical of a signing or even the new manager, I'm always desperately hoping I'm wrong. We, we're fans. We do this podcast because we're United fans. And that doesn't mean you've got to say that all the players are brilliant all the time. It means you've got to say what you think and feel. But always, if we're criticising the players, we're hoping they're going to come good. We're hoping it's going to turn around. We're hoping that Moyes will morph into Guardiola, you know. It's, uh, talking of which, I did spend quite a lot of that game sort of squinting at a funny angle to try and make it look like Guardiola was standing in the, the home technical area. It was slightly painful seeing him standing in front of the United crest there. Well, yeah. Look, we had a little thought piece on Twitter, didn't we, which said uh, if you'd swap the managers in the summer... If Guardiola had become United manager and, and Moyes Bayern manager, right? Don't laugh. Don't laugh. You know. could, could happen. Then, um, then what would have happened? You know, and I, I know it's a thought experiment, and uh, and you know, I hate this kind of hypothetical nonsense generally. But it, it is interesting because I think we'd have had a very, very different season indeed. You know, maybe it would have gone wrong. Maybe. You know, the players wouldn't have responded. I somehow doubt it, though, given that all that Guardiola has won, the, the respect would have been total, I suspect. You know, players are like that. And would it have gone as well for Bayern? Would they now be ticky-tackering their way around Europe, uh, having improved? You know, it's quite unbelievable, but they have most definitely improved. They're a more complete side, Bayern, this season uh, than they were last season when they won the uh, the treble. But, you know, it's an interesting thought experiment and uh, we'd certainly be playing some nicer football. Uh, and I tell you what, uh, if uh, if Bayern had come to Old Trafford uh, and uh, Guardiola had been manager, uh, we wouldn't have parked the bus. No, I no, absolutely. One of the things that I, I thought about that game is, you know, you mentioned Barcelona 2008. The, the one person who I think would have parked the bus in that game is Fergie. I think that Moyes has taken Ferguson's advice very seriously in European competitions. I have no basis for that except a sen- an instinct that that is the thing that makes the most sense out of the fact, you know, if you look at our tactics in Europe, it's been pretty much what would Fergie do um, and I do think that he would have parked the bus do you, do you feel differently about that no he may well have done that I mean, actually remember when we talked about United uh, away at Real Madrid last season uh, I moaned about United parking the bus then yeah right there you go nothing if not consistent Ed. well look I think I am consistent and and the other thing uh, for those criticizing me for this uh, consistency is that it's also a personal feeling right you know uh, I'm afraid people are conflating uh, the uh, my belief that United should play in a more United-like way with some kind of argument uh, around uh, you know individual tactics and approach for one game or or that there may have been a hypothetically different result if United had played seven up front. Anyway, look, maybe Ferguson would have done the same. Maybe um, certainly that Barcelona game, uh, United had a pretty. Uh, Pretty back to the wall approach, though had more possession and more shots and more passes in the final third than this game. I would argue that this is the most 
parked the bus has ever been for a United game in living memory at, at less than 25% possession. Uh, I'd also say that there are plenty of times when the Ferguson side hasn't parked the bus against top quality opposition and including the 2009 and 2000. 11 Champions League finals when some people would have said that if United had parked the bus they'd have had a better chance of winning instead United tried to go toe to toe the words David Moyes used about United's performance last night and and lost to Barcelona so you know at the risk of uh, proving uh, the opposite to my argument you know it, it's it doesn't always work sure if you play good football but there are not two polar extremes here you can play in a better more attractive manner than this and uh, and you know and and in the end this is what i'd like to see as a fan and uh, you know those people calling me a c- because i'd like to see united play attacking attractive good quality and entertaining football well f- you all so I, I kind of agree with your list of players that played well I don't think anyone played badly apart from Fellaini. Uh, Giggs wasn't really in the game. Maybe there was some injury being carried or maybe it was a tactical switch uh, to bring Kagawa on. And there's been an awful lot of behind-the-scenes talk about Ryan Giggs this week. Someone on the Talk of the Devils uh, website saying that they've had a pretty a tip they clearly believe that he Giggs is going to be forced out of the club in the summer. Uh, something which I think most United fans should find to be a pretty disgraceful, self-serving uh, approach to take to the gig situation if it comes to pass from old Davy Moisey. Mm. Well, Giggs is quite smart uh, on the PR front, and um, and I think he'll, uh, he'll he he will keep his mouth shut at the moment. And I don't expect Ryan Giggs will go around moaning that uh, David Moisey is uh, pushing him out. And if this story is true, uh, I would expect the narrative to play out that Giggs is retiring. And uh, and he'll keep it fairly quiet until the day comes that he's uh, able to put the knife in, uh, and it wouldn't be just yet. So we'll we'll see. Uh, there are many contexts in which Ryan Giggs might retire anyway, and I think I think the um, the more serious one for me is is not whether Giggs retires as a player or not. You know, he ha- he has uh, made a contribution in one or two games this season. I don't think it's really that significant. It's more a more a reflection on United's uh, weakness in midfield that he has to make that contribution. I think the the issue really is 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 he uh, is he not in the coaching setup because he has a fundamental disagreement with David Moyes about United's approach and style uh, and way of playing, and that's the subtext to a number of these stories that has played out, and that's the bit that worries me more. Uh, you know, talk talk a rift went to the point where there was talk about people Giggs and Moyes having an open fight and not you know fight as in argument disagreement in the dressing room in front of people you know i was told that that was definitely not true by a couple of people and so let's let's take that one uh, as read but if there is a subtext here that Moyes doesn't trust gigs as a coach uh, and uh, and uh, would like to strengthen his position if he feels in some way that Giggs is undermining him or able to undermine him because he's such a strong voice in the dressing room uh, by forcing Giggs out then that says a lot about David Moyes the man doesn't it yeah absolutely um I can't help feeling that Moyes's whole activity is all predicated on a kind of Machiavellian desire to keep the job I mean it's understandable of course but he does seem to be doing a lot of things which are very good for David Moyes and not particularly good for Manchester United mostly keeping himself in the job it's amazing really because on on paper you could say it's been a good week for United a a 4-1 win and then 
results wise at least in some ways for my money like performance wise too a perfectly respectable one all draw with Bayern but it doesn't feel to me like it's been a good week and that could just be my own agenda that could be because it's got to the point where I I just don't enjoy I just I just don't really like David Moyes you know I, I don't really like the way he talks uh, about the club about his job about his role about individual games about individual performances about individual players and uh, he dragged gigs out to do the listen <laughs> how agenda laden is that saying he dragged him out I don't know if he dragged him out but Ryan Giggs was rolled out to do the uh, the pre-champions league coverage and I know Ed you, you mentioned cod psychology earlier but I like it's not just cod psychology. Like, and this is this is something that I do know about. Unlike football, Giggs's facial expressions did not match the words that he was using. There was a lot of forced, um, like teeth bearing, all the kind of classic NLP signs that somebody is not. Uh, congruent between what they're saying and what they're feeling um, and, and there was definitely a discomfort visible to me uh, on that stage uh, when the when the two of them were there but yeah uh, I, I just I just can't wait for it to be over really I'm just I'm just really looking forward to us having a new manager and I, I think it'll be November next year that's that's what I, when I think it's going to happen because I think Shall we open the book on this? Yeah I, I think that's more likely than the summer and uh, and you know that would fit uh, with the Glazers view the world they'll uh, they'll give the guy a bit of a chance and and they believe that Ferguson's left the the cupboard empty as one uh, one tabloid put it this week uh, and you know they're going to give more substantial bu- budget to go fill the cupboard again so look Moise's future you know I, I said one thing that seemed to really wind people up uh, that I said I uh, I thought I'd you know given that I've clearly clearly been on the fence about David Moise's future uh, on this podcast and generally speaking uh, for for reasons we've discussed uh, over and over um, that uh, I actually thought United's performance last night moved me further towards uh, being in the Moyes out camp of which you're the flag-waving banner-towing leader. The reason for that is because of this belief, you know, and maybe it's some nonsense philosophical belief that I, I like to be entertained by my team as well as just winning and uh, you know, and I think they both go together. By the way, um, and uh, you know, if, if David Moyes is, is uh, going to drive us down the road of uh, just uh, negatively picking up results, uh, and too much of the football this season has been a percentage football uh, aimed at just picking up a result, uh, very little of it's worked, of course. Then there's not a lot of point in him staying in the job at all, you know. And and another thought experiment, given given. The reasons that we uh, we apparently rejected Mourinho, the the PR gaffes that he makes, and the uh, the uh, perceived negative football. Well, scratch those two out because Moyes does both of those, uh, and the other reasons that were discounted, you know, weren't weren't taking these into consideration was his uh, magnificent CV and the guarantee of trophies. Uh, apparently, that's not important. Uh, then you know, there's not a good argument for keeping David Moyes there. But there you go. The one, the one that really gets me is the youth argument. Like, just go and talk to some Everton fans. Seriously, spend a bit of time digging around on Everton forums. Ask Everton fans what they think of David Moyes' youth development. It's an absolute myth that somehow, because Wayne Rooney... In spite, Rooney was the same. It's very similar to the Anazai situation. Rooney also fell out with Moyes for not playing him enough. Ross Barkley fell out with Moyes for not playing him enough. There's barely any proper youth development at Everton. That, that, that anyway, you know, it's, there was there was there was some that was caused by 
uh, Everton's lack of financial resources, but the idea that Moyes is somehow uh, an heir to Matt Busby and and Sir Alex Ferguson in terms of youth development, it's absolutely crazy, uh, and that's one of the one of the many reasons that people cited him ahead of Mourinho. Well, yes, and and total nonsense. In fact, uh, if you look at his record. Uh, it looks very much like uh, Barkley, who he actually kept in the reserves, and, and Wayne Rooney, who he did give a debut to, uh, outliers, uh, the exception that proved the norm, which is uh, David Moyes is very much a reactive manager, and he'll uh, tactically and strategically, uh, and that uh, he will uh, he will react to a situation at hand. Players who are younger got the chance when uh, he had very little choice. This wasn't a long-term strategy. Talking of tactics and strategy, of course, you know, Mourinho, the absolute master tactician uh, on the small scale and also a brilliant strategist. So, you know, but, but um, you know, uh, doesn't stick around for the long term and, uh, and makes all those awful PR gaffes and parts of the bus. So we definitely wouldn't want him. Yeah, quite right. So uh, a couple of Twitter questions before we move on to the previews. <laughs> Would you swap Danny Welbeck for all of Bayern Munich? Yes, I would. Sorry. Don't tell anyone that. Um, would you swap any of Bayern Munich for Danny Welbeck? Yes, I would. Quite a few of them. Again, please don't tell anyone. Um, at Workbench says, how bad is Marouane Fellaini? I think we've covered that a bit. Um, and at Paul underscore D underscore MUFC says, at £27 million, does Fellaini have the most expensive chest in history? I have to say, for all Marouane Fellaini's faults as a footballer, I have never seen anything like his ability to control the ball with his chest. It's remarkable. He's actually not that good with his head, as far as I can tell. But that is, uh, he's got a cultured chest. (laughs) Yeah, well, no, so do Mark Hughes and Dwight York. They're both excellent uh, with the ball into the chest, weren't they? So Hughes in particular. So yeah, yeah, very, very good. Uh, Manages to bring almost anything under control. Um, He's not very good with his head because uh, A, he's massive and can't get off the ground. Uh, and B, he's got a big sponge on his head, so the ball comes off it at all sorts of weird angles. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, at Ben Gloria says, an electrician reckons I'm getting no signal because I've wired up my TV incorrectly. Have you ever had your intelligence insulted? <laughs> yeah, like a lot, quite often by David Moyes, funnily enough. it's It's been a year of having our intelligence insulted and being told what we've seen is good and being told we should aspire to the level of a team we beating the league by 11 points and to be told we went toe-to-toe with Barcelona when basically we just, I mean, I called them Barcelona too, with Bayern when we humped them the ball uh, 75% of the time. Yeah, not, not, there's been, there's been a lot of that about. What about you, Ed? Daily, by the hour and by the minute, um, but that's just Mrs. Rant. Uh, let's, let's not talk about Twitter. Uh, absolutely okay so the Newcastle game a really weird damp squib of a fixture Uh, the other week Southampton played Newcastle didn't they Um, and that was a complete non non fixture and we're sort of in a mini league with Southampton and Newcastle (laughs) thanks to the might of uh, Moise's army well, as I've said several times, seventh place doesn't win itself. Yeah, Newcastle, I suspect some changes. Obviously, Matter will come in. Uh, really, you should rest Rooney and uh, probably a few others, but we'll see. Uh, squad's quite thin, isn't it? Uh, the thing is, you know, Moist's job is still on the line, right? So there is a scenario that plays out that uh, next Wednesday night uh, in the Allianz Arena, United take a serious battering because it could happen, right? Uh, first goal goes in and United and it's Bayern that scores. United are going to have a really serious question, right? Park the bus and and, uh, save yourselves uh, humiliation or open out. 
Uh, and as everyone on Twitter is telling me, take a good stuffing. Now, there's a there's a nice uh, thought question for you all out there. Uh, what would you do in that scenario? Anyway, so uh, Newcastle uh, is still important, right? Because it's important to get momentum going into the summer if you're David Moyes and, and if you're the players. There is really a scenario here in which United could win, say, five of the next six games. I mean, Everton, Everton away is really tough, especially coming after uh, the Bayern game. But the rest of them aren't too bad. Hull, Southampton, Newcastle, um, Norwich, right? Some, uh, there's another one in there who I've forgotten. So, you know, it's it's not a really seriously tough uh, run-in in normal circumstances. But right now, uh, you make a load of changes, lose this game against Newcastle, lose at Bayern, lose at Everton. It's, it's starting to look uh, pretty wobbly again, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, back when <laughs> back when I predicted we'd win the league, one of the reasons I did that is because there are two key periods of our season where we had really easy fixtures. Uh, and one of them was the Christmas period and one of them was the run-in. Um and I really thought and I, everyone else has got a much tougher run-in than us. It's just that ours has been rendered utterly meaningless. So, it's all very well to have an easy running when there's absolutely nothing to play for. I mean, well true. When when I say easy, you know, it, actually there's in the mini league, we're playing a lot of teams around <laughs> us. Right? <laughs> it's incredible, isn't it? Um, I guess the the Newcastle game. Then maybe he will, maybe he will play a stronger side. But I mean, surely you'd think that he's just going to prioritise Bayern because it's so clearly the only route to anything approximate. I mean, like because if he wins the European Cup, his job is safe probably for another season and a half. Definitely another season, you know. So I'm sure he's going to massively prioritised the European Cup and I wouldn't be surprised to see Hernandez starting uh, against Newcastle. Uh, I don't know, maybe I'll recall Wilfred Zahar from loan at Cardiff and stick him on the right. <laughs> well, given that there's, there's uh, so few options available, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm sorry to keep harping back to this, but uh, let's combine it with a Bayern preview, shall we? Because, you know, the two things go hand in hand. For United to win the European Cup, aside from parking the bus Old Trafford, they're going to have to do it again at the Alliance and nick a goal and hope they win a 1-0 because I don't see us getting away with a high-scoring draw, do you? And then in the semi, which in which United will almost, well, most definitely have to play another side that's much better than us. You know, the best case scenario probably being that uh, Chelsea beat PSG or Borussia beat Real, probably both unlikely. So we'll have to park the bus twice there. And then in the final one, we'll be playing a side much, much better than us. We'll have to park the bus there again. So, you know, and we're looking at uh, and those teams not taking their chances in the next four games in a row in order for United to win this competition. Uh, I think you can get odds on about 500 to 1 on this. It might be worth a punt if you uh, if you believe in fairy tales. Well, yeah, but they do happen in football. They really do, because you would have said the same about Greece in Euro 2000 and whatever. You'd have said the same about Chelsea winning the Champions League two seasons ago. And it's, it is... Both those things do happen, you know, um, and it's kind of, it's rubbish that we're in this. There's no question it's rubbish. We're in a situation where that's our only route to success. It's, it's, it's pathetic. It's, this is the, the, the fruit of Glazernomics ripening, right? Now you haven't got Fergie, but all that is also compounded by a terrible choice of uh, successor. So yeah, it's very unfortunate, but it definitely could happen. It's just mathematically very unlikely, much as Chelsea's win. You know, Gary Neville said it was written in the stars and uh, that's the only way it could have happened because it surely wasn't written 
in terms of percentages, you know, mm, uh, everything sure. had to fall perfectly into place. But we're going to play an extra round of quality, right? So yeah, it's, it's, yeah. it's written in the stars of the stars or, or whatever micro percentage, <laughs> right? This is a this is a mini galaxy billions of light years away that we're trying to reach here. So uh, you know, Chelsea beat Zenit, Benfica, both not very good sides that year. Barcelona had a, a, a real off night at Stamford Bridge, uh, and there was a freak result. The two all was a freak result given you know, 18% uh, possession or whatever it was. Uh, and then Munich in the final on penalties, right? So United would have to beat not only Munich, but then another side, likely one of PSG, Real or Barcelona, uh, or Atleti, I suppose. Um, uh, and and then another one of those in the final, right? So, you know, it's, it's uh, the quality in this quarterfinal is higher than in that year. Uh, and indeed, I'd say in the in the uh, year that Liverpool won with very similar tactics in 2005 as well. Greece, slightly different in that, you know, there are some freaks at national level. And now and again, that was a freak of a freak, I suppose. So maybe maybe United can park the bus away to the final and win it. Maybe. I I, uh, have to say, I think it's a very, very long shot. And that's why, you know, you can get such good odds on it. Yeah, I mean, it is a very long shot. I just want to say one one, final thing that I I feel like it's uh, it's just important for me personally to express because the the game against Bayern was one of the best hour and a half I've ever had in my life actually um so it's like yeah we can I I'm I don't sit exactly where you sit on the stylistic question but I definitely sit closer to you than the people having to go at you for it you know but regardless of anything else it it was absolutely extraordinary to be a part of that atmosphere and it, it lasted you know it spilled out after after the game uh the, as the buying players were walking off I suddenly heard a round of applause and I was like looking around going, what's going on? Who's being applauded? And I realised it was the Stretford end applauding the Bayern Munich players off the pitch. I don't know if that's common, um, but it was pretty amazing. And then, and then of course, what they started singing who put the ball in the Germans net again, which was a popular refrain. And then as everyone was walking out and we're in the Munich tunnel and, and that song started up and there was a blast of 20 times. And you know, that there was a real feeling of, uh, of pride and, and, uh, which which I actually don't think was about... I don't think it was just about the fact that the expectations have been lowered so far that a one-all draw feels like a, a European Cup win. I think it's more complicated than that. I think it is... Um, it is genuinely partly about not being spoiled as fans, that, that we... we not that we should turn into Liverpool fans and live on past successes entirely, but that actually taking some pride in the things that we've seen has you know has some real merit as as things go rough all that totally put into the context of there is an additional level of frustration because many of the things that are going wrong don't have to be going wrong and i do think that should be addressed too but i just wanted to get that out there really because it was uh, it was profound and really moving and and incredibly enjoyable to be in that stadium very good well tell you what will move me uh, move me to uh, be fully behind David Moyes' red and white army if uh, United win at Newcastle and then uh, in the Alliance Arena. What, what do you reckon, Paul? Uh, what are your predictions for the week's matches ahead? I think Newcastle are worse than us. Uh, Newcastle season's been an absolute joke. I feel for their fans, really, because that club's run so abysmally by a headbutting maniac and a, and a, and a sort of profiteer. So I'm going to say we're going to beat them maybe 3-1. Uh, I said I'm full-time Devils and I've got a little bit of stick for this. I thought we'd just get humped in Barcelona. I was, I mean, in Munich, I was being reasonably playful, I thought about that. But I, of course, if you ask me for a prediction of that result, um, I don't 
necessarily think it is written in the stars and I think it would have to be for us to win so uh, my kind of rationalist prediction is a 2-0 defeat there you go very good. Uh, there's nothing rationalist about that, I would say. Uh, being rationalist, being uh, illogical, effectively. Uh, look, um... Oh! <laughs> yes. Not anti... I don't mean rationalist as in a person who doesn't like rationalism. <laughs> um, yeah. Now, strange route we're going down with this one. So, uh, I, I'm going to agree with you. I think United will lose 2-0. I think, uh, effectively, it'll be decided by the first goal and, and you know, let's just make the assumption that Bayern will score that because... Uh, they're going to have a lot of the ball and they're going to come out and try and uh, do United early. I think it'll change the complexion of the game and uh, and then you'll be con- cut, uh, trapped in a conundrum of, of uh, playing pretty cautiously, which is the way United will almost certainly start and, and try and open it out. So there you go, 2-0 to Bayern and uh, I think we'll draw one all at uh, St. James's Park. Yeah, absolutely. That seems fair enough to me. All right, well, uh, absolute pleasure talking to you about these things, Ed. And if you want to talk to either of us in the meantime, you can get me on Twitter at UTD Rantcast. You can get Ed at United Rant. You can read what Ed writes on unitedrant.co.uk and read what I write on the Bleach Report if such a thing takes your fancy. If you want to help us out uh, with bandwidth costs and equipment costs and stuff, then unitedrant.co.uk slash donate is where you can do that. Thank you very much to everyone that's done that and also a massive uh, thank you to Simon Stevens who uh, very kindly included us in his what I'm he wrote a list of the things that he's sort of engaging with in culture and it was easily the most highbrow list the Rankcast will ever be a, a part of so thank you very much for that Simon it was much appreciated very good um, and if you're on lowbrow just check out my Twitter timeline. Uh, it's uh, it's uh, very good stuff. Uh, in the meantime, uh, we'll leave you with this playout track and we'll see you next week.